The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. We've got a lot of things lined up for you here because you know you're at the right place for the most practical, realistic, most current home improvement information you'll find anywhere. During this hour, we're going to talk about a few minor electrical issues that people deal with all the time. Also, Joe was able to come up with the top five simple solutions to help you out on your workshop storage. Always a great simple solutions that come out of that. And when you start implementing a few of those things in your workshop or your garage, it just makes it a lot more fun to go out and tackle a few of those projects. Of course, we've got a lot of emails we're going to share with you. And also, Joe, what about that simple solution coming up in a little bit. I've got a quick tip on how to install drive-in brass screws. You know, many decorative pieces of hardware hinges and locks and things like that have brass screws and they look beautiful, but brass is soft. And if you snap one off, then you're in trouble. So I have a quick tip on how to drive in those brass screws without any trouble. All right. Looking forward to that in just a little bit. And want to make sure that we help you with any challenge that you have. And just a reminder, I grabbed out the calendar the other day and realized that we only have 22 more Today's Homeowner radio shows. Oh, it's a no. Little, yeah, it's a little bittersweet there. But what I see is 22 more opportunities to help you out with any of the things you're having around your house. So we make it easy on you. If you'd like to send emails, well, we certainly like to get them. And all you have to do is go to todayshomeowner.com slash ask and send us one anytime. You also can pick up the phone 24 hours a day, seven days a week and connect with us on the Today's Homeowner hotline, 800 946 4420. You know, it really is easy because you can just call us at any time you, you have the idea or you have the thought or comment that you'd like to make and just leave us a message. If you want us to call you back and set you up to be on the radio show, no problem. If you want us to answer that through uh, the, the radio show with recorded calls, we're happy to do that as well. Matter of fact, we're going to go right to the hotline right now and pick up a couple calls that we've gotten this week. Hey, Danny, this is Trevor. Uh, I'm trying to build a cat room underneath the of my stairs. Uh, I was going to go uh, between two studs, uh, and I was wondering if you had any tips on best ways to cut drywall, and if you have any ideas for how to attach a door um, for the drywall, and how high you think I should build the the cat door. Uh, thank you. Okay, well, certainly uh, I've actually done that a time or two, and and uh, uh, for for cats and for um, other animals under those that valuable space under the stairway, and there's there's also so many ways you can reclaim that space in a lot of different ways with bookshelf or hidden passages, all kinds of different things, um, and the internet is full of ideas on that, particularly around that um, that favorite feline friend you might have there, the the cat, um, all kinds of different ways that you can make 
make some fun areas there. Now, access in and out of that would be important. So you want to make sure the cat can go in and out of there at any time. I assume that's what you would want on that. So a little um, cat door or a little doggy door thing might be the way to give them an opportunity to get in and out of there. Um, some type of lighting, a lot of LED lighting that's there. We actually did one one time, Joe, where it had the motion sensing LED light in. Really? So the cat would go in the little the little cat flap door there and right, immediately yep. the light would come on. I'm sure it puzzled the heck out of it. That's, <laughs> a, that's trying to go in there and get a, na- a sleep, a little bit of sleep. And then after a little bit of a time, it, it, it actually turns off. But, right. uh, I, you know, when you when you think of Pinterest and you think of um, all of the different ideas, this is one subject and one project oh, that there's going right. to be a lot of inspiration to be gained um, online. Yeah. Well, Trevor has the advantage that this is an interior door. Like if you're putting one, a lot of cats and pet doors are on the outside and, you know, they have to be built a certain way because you want to, you want the cat to come and go, but you want to try to keep the raccoons out, especially at night. So there's other, other options, but since this is going to be indoors, he doesn't really have to have to have a door on it at all. It could just be an opening, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I would go online and I would buy a cat door. I mean, Amazon has dozens of them. They start at about 12 bucks. And as far as how high to make it and where to cut it in, if he has baseboard there, as long as the baseboard's not really high, you know, if it's like three or four inches, I'd probably just cut it above the baseboard, just use a regular drywall saw and cut through the drywall, frame out the opening if you have to. But all of these doors that you buy have a really quick and easy way to attach it to a wall. So um, I would check that out. And, you know, you just want to make sure it's big enough. And you can get them, like I said, with and without the swinging door. It's probably better to have the swinging door just so the cat feels a little more enclosed. Um, I'm just not sure. Like, I've never actually done this. I've had cats, but I've never had a door like does the cat eventually learn to walk through the door? And how do you teach you just shove him through one time? How does he how does he know to do that? And do all cats like that? I'm not even sure. Well, Joe, what you have to do, see, there's these little gloves, it's like little mittens that um look like Kit- a cat. Kitten mittens? Yeah. So you have to buy one that looks similar to your cat. And then you put it on your hand <laughs> and you okay. run it through there and you run it through a few times. All you right. run it through and show them there. And you might even oh. throw in some meow. Meow, and you know you uh-huh. do a few sounds like that, right. and then then take the cat and cram it through the door. Now you I know, know why your yeah. cat ran away. <laughs> so, yeah, that's always a good question as to what I I've heard people talk about taking their favorite toy and putting it on a string right. and pulling yep. it through there and pulling you know that kind of thing. Yeah. So um, a lot of different ways that that can go and a very interesting, very fun project. Let's go back to the today's Homeowner hotline for another call we received this week. Hello, guys. I've just bought an enclosed trailer. And I I haul around an old car once in a while, and in case it drips oil or grease or something, what should I put on the flooring on top of the fresh wood I think is on there? Should I put kills on there first, and then I could put a board or just leave paint on there? Thank you very much. All right, sure. That sounds like a, another fun project. Well, you know, yeah. just about anything to keep the oil from seeking into the pores of the wood is really all you need to do. I would clean it real well right now in case there's any, you know, um, there's bound to be something on there. Um, clean it real well. Maybe even lightly sand it. Take like a sanding pole like the drywall finishers use, a 60 or 80 grit paper and just kind of, you know, kind of just buff it up a little bit, um, then get all the dust off of it. And then what do you think, Joe? I mean, I, I guess it's just what he wants it to look like. I mean, I can right. I can think of a porch and deck enamel that yeah. dries yeah. fairly quick. It's very hard. It's made for outside use if needed, you know, and uh, that would be fairly durable. I would think you put a couple coats of that on it, regardless of the color, and uh, that should that should be a pretty durable surface for quite a while. 
Yeah, I think what I would do, he's got a, a, a nice, fresh, new wood floor, is I would clean it well if, and if necessary, sand it, as you said, remove the dust. I would put two or three coats of a really good marine varnish on it because you don't know. You might be bringing the car in when it's wet or whatever, so you want to protect it as much as possible. So let that dry, sand between coats, at least three coats of this marine varnish. And then what I would do is get a a sheet or two of masonite, hardboard, right? Really cheap, quarter inch. Mm -hmm. And I'd put that in there as a sacrificial sheet. This way, uh -huh. if it gets stained or ripped or torn, you can just easily replace it. The, 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 I don't even know how much masonite is anymore since prices have gone crazy, but probably yeah. less than 10 or $12 a sheet. Um, and that's what I would do. And then, you know, you can just screw it down or tape it down. And if, when it gets ruined, you just pull it out and replace it. Sometimes you just shouldn't use construction adhesive, right? <laughs> well, it's very hard for Danny to say that because um, he uses it on everything. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't glue anything down because then what happens when you do have to remove it? Then, I, then it could be a trouble. But I think sealing the wood first and then covering it. This way you've got double protection from anything that might happen. Well, you know, I'm not uh, really a big car buff or anything. I do appreciate right. when cars are taken care of, especially older ones. And, sure. you know, um, I think I uh, showed you my father's original yes. truck, 1967 Chevrolet short wheelbase. What stage is it in at this point? I know well, you've been um, on it's running and um, and I, I have it in a shop right now getting new brakes. Wow. And a couple other little adjustments made because, uh, you know, everything is not electronic these days. So it's right. the old school kind of points and distributor yeah. cap and all of that. So I, I took it to a, an old experienced gentleman that uh, I hadn't done that in a while, but I can do yeah. it, you know. And yeah. so I should be picking it up in the next few days. And then, oh, you know, everybody's telling me, don't paint it, don't paint it, because, you know, it's so cool nowadays, uh, right. the patina finishes and things yeah. like that. Yeah. So I'm just going to take some compound and compound it a little bit on the outside. And that's about as far as I'm going to go. I'm not going to worry about car show level or anything else but i'm to get the I'm, seats reupholstered yeah reupholstered seats okay. everything is, yeah, yeah. is looking pretty good but uh i'll have to share some pictures online of that as we move along on a little bit hey you're listening to today's homeowner radio we're just getting started on this hour we've got a lot to share with you so don't go anywhere we'll be right back Today's homeowner is brought to you by Pavestone, creating beautiful landscapes, and by Quickrete Cement and Concrete Products. It's what America's made of. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. I'm Danny Lipford, along with my buddy Joe Truini, and we're helping our listeners all over this great country with any kind of challenge they may be having around your house. Right now, we're headed out to California. Susan's on the line. Susan, welcome to the show, and tell us what's going on around your house. Thank you, Danny. Um, well, what I've got is a wall that was um, repaired. There was some plumbing problems, and the wall was repaired. And they didn't, as far as I know, they didn't touch this part of the wall, but I've got an electrical outlet that when I, uh, after I painted the wall and I put the plate on, the switch, sorry, the switch won't mm -hmm. come forward. It's not flush with the plate anymore. And I've tried loosening the screws, pulling it out. I think the box that it's in is actually nailed to the stud. I can't get huh. it to come forward enough 
to line okay. up with the. Well, well, it's it's not an uncommon problem. A lot of times, um, things will happen. A lot of times, when electricians are nailing the boxes to the framing, the studs, uh, they may not really know what's going on that wall. Whether it's going to be um, quarter inch, half inch drywall, whether it's going to be paneling, whether it's going to be three quarter inch wood, you just never know what's going on there. So a lot of times they will recess it back a little bit so that it can accommodate a lot of different types of, of wall. But it's very easy to fix. And one way you can do it is actually take a nut, two little nuts, and where the screw, the top and bottom screw on the switch, you remove that, you put the nut there to serve as a spacer, and then you put the screw back in, and that supports it well to stay out a little bit. But Joe, there's also, um, since it is such a common problem, there's actually some things that are available that are made to do this very thing. Yeah, you may have to, Susan, you may have to go to an electrical supply house, but electricians have a million different little uh, accessories for solving problems exactly like this. I guess the, the the mystery is like the light switch didn't have an issue and they might not have touched it, but now it's recessed. So that, that's sort of odd, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I was thinking they didn't, they textured the wall, but it was textured before. So it's right. not like it's any thicker that I can right. tell. And Right. Well, the fact that it's recessed is better than if it was if it's protruding too far from the wall because if the box is sticking out, then you know there's only so much you can push it in. But yeah, the, so the whole idea is you can get shims and get little um, clips that go behind, as Danny said, like a space that go behind the screw. This way, when you tighten up the screw, you know it pushes the switch in this case the switch out a little bit, so it would go behind the not just behind the screw, but behind the the two ears popping up on the top and bottom of the switch mm-hmm. so when you tighten mm-hmm. the tighten the screw to the box it'll just it only go in so far um sometimes you see people just loosen it screw and they pull the switch out and they put the plate back but then the the switch is not it moves in and out there's nothing to prevent it from moving in and out right 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 so you don't want to do it so what you want to do is fill that space behind it. and typically it's not much more than an eighth of an inch three sixteenths of an inch we're not talking about a lot so, it's about, um, yeah, about three thirty seconds of an inch, actually. Oh, even less. So go. good. Yeah. So um, I would, I mean, I've even just cut little pieces of wood and put it back there, to tell you the truth. Um, but I don't know if that's <laughs> really allowed to do that. So I would go to either use a, like a nut or a washer, tiny ones, or go to an electrical supply house and explain what the situation is. And I'm sure they have some kind of little plastic piece that slips behind there. And allows if you to they had like a out. spacer, I think that would do it. A exactly spacer right. that would go behind the screw. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So just an electrical house. Yeah. Yeah. We're wherever like the electrician shop, essentially. Okay. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Do because, you have this issue I mean, it, with just one switch? Just the it's one switch. Just the one house? switch. And it's hmm. you know what? I can live with it the way it is, but it's when you go to hit the switch, it's a rocker type switch. Right. You know, the mm. fold. Oh, okay. You know, two inch. And it's and it's kind of irritating. Your hand hits yeah. it, and, and it's like we need to we need to get this fixed. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm the same way. I want everything exactly the way it's supposed to be. It drives me crazy. Well, just right. be careful with it when that you don't you know let your screwdriver go down and hit any of the terminals there and everything. But I think you can fix it, and and I'm with you. Every time you go by there and touch that thing, you you kind of grit your teeth a little bit. Well, um, you can get away from that right now by fixing this. Just very very simple. All right, that sounds like a plan. All right, right, Susan, good luck. Thanks so much for being a part of the show, and I hope you have a great week. 
Thank you. Appreciate your help. Hey, let's get to some emails here. You can send us one right now at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Now, this is a good email I want you to listen to because this is something that you probably have thought about around your house. This came from Sandy in South Carolina. What do you recommend as a product to change the grout color on my bathroom floor? It's currently light gray. I'd like to change it to white. Now, um, a lot of times, and, and it's amazing to me, even though it's been around a long time, we've talked about it a long time, people are still not familiar with the way that you can stain grout and change the color of it. Now, this is assuming that it has not been sealed, which all ceramic grout should be sealed once it's in and once it's dry, but so rarely is that done. And even if it's been done, it will wear off after a while. But you clean that tile really, really well. And then using a ceramic um, grout stain, you can stain it to another color. Now, of course, it could be a little tricky if you're trying to lighten a real dark stain. I guess there's some yeah, limitations there. Yeah, there would be, there. but... Um uh, custom building products makes a line of i think they call them grout colorants which is essentially stain i'm not sure why they're not called stains but uh they're colorants and they work great follow directions clean it really well but the great thing about being able to change the color might be challenging as danny said if you have really dark dark color grout and you're trying to make it white in this case we're going from light gray to white for sandy so i don't think she'll have an issue um but the great thing is once you clean it you don't have to remove the old grout you know we're assuming the grout's in decent shape, right? It's not all busted up and, and moldy, but clean it really well. And then, um, and then you can go over it with this grout colorant and it essentially it looks like brand new grout. Yeah. You can make a big, big difference on that. And especially, you know, if you have a situation where like on one side of the bathroom, like where you step right, out of yep. the shower, maybe with a little bit of water and it's darkened it or right at your front door, when you come in, you're going to have shades like that. Just making it clean and consistent is amazing what it can do in a lot of situations like that. So again, custombuildingproducts.com, you can find everything you need for that. Here's another email coming up here. This one um, from Kelly in Wisconsin. Is it possible to install ship lap boards onto 24-inch center two-by-fours? If so, how? Well, let's define that. Now, shiplap boards traditionally are very thin pieces of Luon paneling is probably the most common that you rip six, seven, or eight inch pieces up. You put them over a solid surface like drywall. You gap it about the thickness of a nickel, and that's the traditional shiplap approach. Now, of course, using thin plywood like that, there's no way you can go on 24-inch centers. I wouldn't recommend doing anything on 24-inch centers if it was not a full three-quarter inch piece of wood. So if you use a three-quarter inch piece of wood, you could do that with consistency. But, Joe, I'll tell you, you know, I've done this um, back um Boy, back in the 80s, how we used to put all of that cedar everywhere, yep. inside, outside, everybody wanted cedar. Uh, it's going to shrink just a little bit, and you're going to be able to see through that, and you might be able to see the light-colored studs behind it. So either way, either that needs to be painted black or put up black uh, felt or something behind it so that when it does shrink, all right. you're seeing is black. Or if you're talking about thinner pieces, then at least putting up a half-inch drywall. Well, I wouldn't even say half-inch if you got, um, you know, a two-foot gap. You'd have to step up to maybe five-eighths-inch drywall to put on the wall before you put the shiplap. If not, you're going to have a wavy wall. Yeah, I think with 24-inch on center, I would definitely go with the three-quarter-inch shiplap. Um and 
you know, they, the edges are rabbited so that they overlap each other a bit. Um, so I, I don't think they'd shrink enough that you'd see, unless it was really wet. And when you put it up, I don't think it would shrink enough that you would um, ever see through it. But um, as far as she says um, how to how to install it, I installed something similar in my office on the ceiling, uh, which is um, a channel siding, which is kind of like shiplap. And I would just nail it up with a pneumatic nailer. That's all. That's a way uh, to, to do that so that you don't have any of that right. bow and you will not be happy with it after seeing that. Hey, coming up, Joe's about to tackle the top five simple solutions for workshop storage. You're going to want to hear these great tips coming up on today's Home on the Radio. We'll be right back. homeowner radio here are danny and joe hey so glad to be with you each and every week here and one of the things we like to talk about and people like to hear us talk about are the simple solutions these are just little bite-sized pieces of information that can solve so many of those aggravating problems around your house but you know we have a library of over 550 of these so there's a lot to go through so what we challenged joe with a while back is to kind of categorize some of these and to grab the top five in a particular area of the home and this week we're talking about workshop tips so whether you've got the little workshop the big workshop the garage whatever there are ways to make things go a little bit easier around that and of course joe one of the things that just about every area of your home like this is going to have is some uh paint and paint cans give us right. a tip there that you shared with us a while back uh how to make that go a little bit easier Okay, here are the top five simple solutions for workshop storage, because who doesn't need more storage and more organized storage in their workshop? And as Danny alluded to, this is using a paint can, an empty paint can. If you don't have one, you can buy them. You can go to a paint store, a hardware store, and you can actually buy an empty paint can. And what you can do is you're going to screw it to either a column or to the wall, any place where you can get it into a stud or some secure. And you're going to screw it in place with a couple of like one and a quarter inch drywall screws right through the, the bottom of the can and you want the handle of the can to be hanging down below the, the can so when you orient it make sure the handle hangs down underneath the can and now um, when i originally installed one of these in my workshop it was to help organize tools and supplies for my pneumatic nailer so i put the air hose over that the open can i would slip in some of the air tools and then the handle hanging down is a great place to drape like a rag you know you can keep a cloth or rags um so it's always handy but you, you can use this for extension cords and vacuum hoses for for um, you know a shop vac that kind of thing um and you can if you need more space you can of course go up to a larger bucket you can use a like a five gallon bucket but i found a gallon can works really well Okay, so that's the first one. Second one is how to organize your wrenches. This is um, when, whenever I'm using like an adjustable wrench or um, combination wrenches, you know, they're usually, you know, hanging on the wall, they're in a toolbox um, and you have to dig through to get them. So what I did is I took them and I put them on a carabiner. So mm -hmm. you just take the carabiner, hook it through the box end or the little hole in the handle of a adjustable wrench. 
and you can throw it in your toolbox and put it on the shelf. And then when you need a wrench, you pull the whole thing out and all the wrenches come out at once. And you can take a wrench off if you need to, but I've found that I don't even really take the wrench off half the time. Oh, yeah, that's you know, right. I just leave it on, right? So so that's a great way to organize your wrenches. Let me mention on this next one here uh, is really, really convenient. Everybody's used this. Our creative director, Scott Gardner, has it in his shop. We have that's it right. in the, yeah. the workshop there. But using PVC pipe storage for cordless tools because we have more and more of the cordless tools, particularly, you know, drill drivers and impact drivers and yep. things like that. And, uh, boy, it is so nice when you don't even have to move from your little work spot and you reach over and grab one and know just what it is, where it is, and uh, tell us all about that simple solution. Yeah, it's simply a three-inch diameter PVC pipe cut about 10 or 11 inches long. And what we did is we, we drilled a hole with a hole saw that's about one and three-quarter inch or so, one and a half inch diameter. Then we use a jigsaw to cut out a little slot. And that's just for the handle of the tool to slide in. Typically, it's a drill driver, impact wrench, impact driver, that kind of thing. And what you do is you, you screw this pipe to the underside of a shelf. And now you can just slide the drill in. And because you cut that little notch, the handle slides in, the handle of the drill slides in. And it could have a, a bit on it. You don't even have to take the bit out because there's usually plenty of room for the bit to extend through the pipe. And I think we, for the simple solution, we line up three or four of these. So you can mm -hmm. put in as many uh -huh. as you want. Um, and this way, the tool is readily available with the battery, without the battery. It doesn't matter. If you put them on a shelf, they're always falling over and everything else. So that's a great way, just some PVC pipe, which is, you know, costs almost nothing, 10 or $12. You have more than enough pipe. And you can mount them with a couple of one-inch screws to on the side of a shelf. The one thing I like about this simple solution and many of the simple solutions that you're sharing in this particular category of workshop storage, yes, you can go out and write a check and buy something that will do all of this. But what Joe's talking about here is offering some solutions that work just as well to keep you organized at a fraction of the cost that PVC pipe storage is a, is a perfect example of that because, heck, you probably have scrap like that. If not, a small sure. piece of pipe will go a long way. So I like that aspect of it, that the simple solution is not only simple and they work, they also are less expensive than some of the other options. Well, that's a good segue because here's number four tip is using a bungee cord. Uh, how inexpensive are bungee cords these days <laughs> to store hand tools? Um, and here, this is a tip using bungee cords to store and organize hand tools against a wall. Right, so they're not in a the drawer, they're not hanging on a nail somewhere. So the first thing you do is twist off the hooks from the cord. Um, you know, at the end of at the end of each bungee cord is those metal hooks. You can just twist them right off. You don't have to cut them. You just twist them off. Then attach one end of the cord to the wall with a cable staple. Just hammer it mm -hmm. in there. Then stretch the cord tight across the wall and secure the other end with another staple. And now in between those, you want to hammer in two or three more staples, depending on the size of the tools. Usually I space them four to six inches apart. What that does is it holds it really tightly and taut mm -hmm. against mm -hmm. the wall. And now you can just slip your tools behind it. So, mm -hmm. and it's tight enough that it'll hold like a really good size adjustable wrench, you know, a rafter square or screwdriver. You slip them in, pull them out. Slip them in, you know, very easy. They're, they're readily accessible. You can see them. Uh, and I've, I've, I've used this two or three times and I just love it. It's amazing how easily the tools are displayed. If there's a tool missing, you know it, and it's readily available when you need it. Yeah, and also um, a lot of the little magnetic strips that are made for that, I found that that just doesn't work as well as it seems like it would. So that's another great way. All right, Joe, round out number five here with number five with, with a great space-saving idea because so many workshops and and garages or so forth don't have walls, so you have studs and you have stud bays, and boy, that's some valuable storage. 
That's exactly right. When you, if you have exposed studs in your workshop, um, even though the space is only three and a half inches deep, typically, because they're framed with two by fours, that's great storage. No, no sense just leaving it empty. And so um, what you do is you cut a one by four or a two by four shelf, a horizontal shelf that fits snugly between the studs. Then you nail it, screw it in place. And you, if you need to, you can attach a piece of thin lath, which is just quarter inch thick by usually one and a quarter to one and a half inches wide across the front. And it just serves as a little barrier to keep things from falling off. Now, even though it's only three and a half inches deep, that's plenty of boxes of nails and screws, spray paint cans, caulking tubes. You'd be surprised how many things you can store on a shelf like that, even though it's only three and a half inches deep. Well, there you go. Five great workshop solutions, simple solutions. Uh, and you can see video versions of these and over 550 more by going to todayshomeowner.com. Hey, when we come back, we're going to tackle this big stack of emails. If you send us one this week, you're probably about to get your answer. You're listening to Today's Homeowner Radio. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Deitch Coatings. Easily roll on your new stone countertop, garage floor, and more in just a weekend with Deitch. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. You know, we try to provide you as many answers as we possibly can get to each and every week. And we appreciate you taking the time to send us an email at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. We're going to tackle a few of those right now. This one came in from Andy in Mississippi. I have an outdoor area that's about 6 foot by 12 foot. And I'd like to lay down some sort of rock to create a spot for my potting bench. What kind of rock would be the best to use? And do I need to do anything to the ground? to prepare it. I had a wood deck there before, and I think the rock would last a lot longer. That's a great idea, Andy, for many reasons. First of all, if you're talking about a potting bench, you're talking about water, and nothing is good about a slab or a wood deck and an excessive amount of water. But the drainage aspect of the gravel will be really good, and the rocks will allow the water to go right down through, keeping a nice, neat appearance. Now, there's a lot of different material that you can use there, but as far as preparing it, one of the things you're going to be battling is, of course, weeds. So you want to get rid of all of the vegetation you can. And I would recommend a total vegetation killer to basically just soak in that area and make sure that you kill every single thing. Because even when you pull up a lot of that grass, the roots may still be there. So go ahead and kill it off completely. Another way you can kill it off is to put down a piece of plastic, the exact size you're talking about, weight it down and let Mother Nature burn all of the grass and weeds right out of there. It won't take but a few days and there will be nothing living there at all. You can pull that up, remove any of the vegetations, and then before you put it down, the the gravel or the rocks down, you'll want to go with a piece of fabric, landscape fabric, that'll keep the weeds from coming up. Then as far as the material to put on top, you might consider some of the paver base that we use under pavers. That's available at Home Depot, Pavestone, the brand on that one. You can get a few bags of that, and that can provide a nice surface that'll pack down really well. But then beyond that, there are a zillion different options on that in terms of pea gravel and different types of rocks. Find a nursery and a landscape or hardscape supply place in your area. Go there, and they have a lot of different assortments to use. Joe, here's one for you. Mary from Mississippi asked, I have a custom tile shower during construction 
It was used to clean out paint rollers and brushes. Oh, oh, wow. What, is the, the best way, what okay. is the best way to clean paint off the tile and grout? First of all, before you don't invite, show, Don't invite that painter back. That's the first well, thing. Well, I would invite him back to clean my custom shower. Yeah, I, would right. not, I would not be doing it. I would have someone else do it, and yeah. I would also be very concerned about any effects it had on the drain. But whether it's the, the painter the misguided painter or whether right. it's the homeowner, what's the best way to get this uh, paint off this tile? Well, getting it off the tile might be easier than the grout. So let's hope that it's, uh, you know, it's not soaked in too deeply, but um, I, I, you know, so we often recommend like a homemade solution, cleaning solution of maybe white vinegar or, even, um, you know, hydrogen peroxide. But I think at this point, I would just go to some commercial product, a Goo Gone. Everyone's familiar with their products, but they do make a specific product that's called latex paint remover. And I'm, I'm assuming this is latex paint. So I would try that. If that doesn't work, you might have to move up to a citrus strip product, which is a paint stripper that has a citrus base to it. So it's not very toxic. Um, I think that would be the only way to do it because, um, again, the tile it being glazed, it might come, the paint might come off relatively easily, but the grout, which is more porous, you might have to scrub it. And I would scrub it with a stiff bristle, a nylon brush. Don't use anything metal in there. All right. Let's go to another one here. This is um, Amy. Amy writes in, I'd like to convert my 1960s concrete block garage into a bunk room for spillover guests. How much interior space will I lose when I install wall insulation? And what should I use on the ceiling and for the insulation above that? Any other things I need to consider? Right away, you're going to need to think about air conditioning and heating in there. Right. And, yep. and one of the many split systems, so the ductless um, air-conditioned heating systems is a great way to go for an isolated building like that. And then as far as, um, you know, you can, um, if you're going to put insulation on the walls, you can actually put two-by-fours flat on the walls, which would only be an inch and a half. Then you can use inch-and-a-half foam that's very dense that you can glue in between the two-by-fours. You'll have to make sure that you accommodate enough room for the electrical outlets that you need in there and any of the switches and so forth. So that'll allow you to wrap uh, the um, envelope with foam, and then you can put your drywall over it. As far as the ceiling, you could use drywall there, and then I would step up to 14 inches of insulation in that attic. That's where the money, that's that's the good ROI on your money there is to make sure that you make it very comfortable to heat and cool. But just make sure you think it through because you're going to want to make sure you have enough electrical, enough plumbing. You want to make sure that it's a dry space, so you might have to do a little waterproofing ahead of time. But it can prove to be a nice spillover area, as you mentioned, for any of your guests. When we come back, it's Simple Solution Time. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to today's Home on Radio. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Fluidmaster. Find out more at shop.fluidmaster.com. And welcome back to today's Homeowner Radio, and where it's simple solution time. This is the time of the show that a lot of people really look forward to because Joe always has a great nugget of home improvement information. Joe, what do you have today on your simple solution? All right, Danny. Many pieces of decorative hardware come with brass screws, and while the brass screws are certainly beautiful, um, they're also soft. 
So it's really easy to either strip the head or snap the screw off. So here's how to prevent this from happening. First, drill a pilot hole and then drive in a steel screw. This is the real simple solution to this. Drive in a steel screw that's the same size as the brass screw, right? So don't, first of all, it's really important to always drive a pilot hole, whether it's softwood or hardwood, when driving in small screws. So drill that pilot hole and then drive in a steel screw and then back out the steel screw and then drive in the brass screw. Now this is pretty tedious, but what's much more tedious is snapping off a couple of those screws and then trying to figure out how to get the screw shaft out of the wood, which is almost impossible. So what you're essentially doing here, of course, is you're threading the hole in the wood to accept the brass screw. So that, that's the trick. It does take a little extra time, but again, you don't want to run the risk of snapping off one of those screws in the hole because then you know it's almost impossible to get it out. And, uh, you know, so you want to avoid damaging the piece. So use the steel screw first. Well, those are the kind of things that can happen when you're doing a project. Maybe you're getting in a hurry and not quite uh, at the pace that you need to be. And right. then you end up taking twice or three times longer to do the project with frustration all along. So those little cautionary, simple solutions like that can make your project go a lot easier. And head over to todayshomeowner.com and check out over 550 of the uh, simple solutions that are available for you right now. And also, so find out where you can see the Today's Homeowner television show this weekend. We're talking about a functional facelift. If you're looking to improve the curb appeal of your home, we've got some great tips for you in this particular show where we really do make a big difference without spending a lot of money on the front of a particular home. A little bit of landscaping, a little bit of coating the um, concrete to make it look a lot better and a lot more inviting into the home. Shutters almost always have a very positive effect on the house and all of that you'll be able to see on this particular show, a functional facelift. And go to todayshomeowner.com to find out where you can see it in your area. And as you've probably heard, the Today's Homeowner television show is wrapping up its national syndication. So the first week in September will be the last Today's Homeowner show that airs. But you can always go to our streaming channels. And all you have to do is go to todayshomeowner.com slash stream to be able to see where you can see us. If you have an L LG Smart TV. We have our own channel 24 hours a day, linear channel number 476. And if you subscribe to Exumo, Tubi, Freevee, Pluto, Roku, you can go to any of those and see almost 600 episodes of today's homeowner television show, as well as on YouTube, uh, the today's homeowner YouTube channel and today's homeowner.com. So plenty of ways that you can see some of those great episodes that we created over the last 25 years. Now, as far as the rest Radio show. It'll continue till the end of the year, but that means you have a limited amount of time, only 22 more weeks, to be able to get your questions into us. So I hope you will give us a call at 800 946 4420, the Today's Homeowner Hotline, with your question, or go ahead and send us an email anytime at todayshomeowner.com slash asked. Joe, uh, been a great show and a lot of information we've been able to exchange. And it's kind of hard to even think about only 22 more weeks. Isn't that wild? I'm not thinking about that at all. I don't want to think about it. And I'm not <laughs> sure what's going to happen when we're down to only one or two weeks. We've kind of gotten used to meeting every week to, uh, I know it. you know, on the radio to, to talk to 
homeowners all over the country, and I'm, I'm going to miss it. So I'm not trying not try not to think about it too much at this point. Though we've got plenty of time left to answer many, many more questions. Absolutely, and we do want to hear from you. So get in touch. Let us help you use some of our knowledge that we've gained over the years to make things a little bit better around your home. I'm Danny Lipford, along with my co-host Joe Truini, our great producer Scott Gardner, and our engineer Brad Rogers, and the whole today's homeowner family. Hoping you have a fantastic week. We'll see you next week right here on Today's Homeowner Radio.